Hey, this is Pastor Arm, and I want to thank you for joining me today for the Activation Church podcast. We are here so that people can activate their life in Christ, and I believe this message is going to help you go further than ever before. Check it out. Last week, we started a series called Big Problems, Bigger God. Turn to the person next to you and say, I know you got problems, but you also have God goes back to what I was saying earlier. We all have problems. There's no way you can go through this life without a problem. But when you go into the storm, you have to know that you have somebody with you who is undefeated. You have to know that you have somebody fighting for you that never loses. And if he never loses, that means I will never lose. Doesn't mean I won't have a problem, but every problem that comes my way, I will conquer. I will overcome. Not because I'm great, but because greater is he who is within me than he that is in the world. So I want you to take your Bible, turn it to Judges, the sixth chapter. We're going to revisit the story of Gideon today. Last week, we started in verse one, and we talked about the problem that Midian, uh, Israel got themselves into by turning their back on God. But even though it was their fault, God is faithful. How many of you are thankful that God is faithful even when you are not? And so God is faithful, and he raised up a solution for them by the name of Gideon. But before Gideon could do what God had called him to do, he had to work through some problems of his own. And so that's what we're going to look at today And as we go through these verses, starting in verse 11 of chapter 6 of the book of Judges, I want you to pay close attention to what God says and how Gideon responds. Because although we may not be having an open dialogue with God like Gideon is, many times we have the same feelings that Gideon had, or we have the same thought patterns that Gideon had. So Judges chapter 6, we'll start in verse 11. The Bible says, Now the angel of the Lord came and sat under the terebinth at Ophrah, which belonged to Joash the Asbarite, while his son Gideon was beating out wheat in the winepress to hide it from the Midianites. So why is Gideon in the winepress? He's there hiding from his problem. Let's go on to the next verse. Verse 12 says, And the angel of the Lord appeared to him and said to him, The Lord is with you, O mighty man of valor. And Gideon said to him, Please, sir, my Lord, if the Lord is with us, then why has all this happened to us? If God is for us, then why can Midian be against us? If God loves us so much, then why do I have a problem? Why do bad things happen to good people? You ever thought that? Like, why in the world do bad things happen to good people? If God is with us, then why has all this happened to us? And where are all of his wonderful deeds that our fathers recounted to us, saying, Did not the Lord bring us up from Egypt? But now the Lord has forsaken us and given us into the hand of Midian. And the Lord turned to him and said, Go, in this might of yours and save Israel from the hand of Midian do not I send you and he said to him please Lord how can I save Israel 
Behold, my clan is the weakest in Manasseh, and I am the least in my father's house. Translation, my family is a bunch of sissies. And I am the sissiest of all the sissies. How can I do something great like take down an army of thousands? I mean, this is a big army. If you go through and read the story, you'll see that there were so many of them and so many camels said it was like locusts covering the ground. They would come in and devour the land. They would devour the resources. And so that's why Gideon is hiding his stuff because he doesn't want Midian to come get it anymore. He feels hopeless. He feels helpless. He doesn't feel like he has the ability to do anything, yet God's saying, go do it. Have you ever felt that way? Like God's asking you to do something that you're like, I have no idea what I'm doing. That, welcome to my life. The majority of my life has been, I have, hey, I have no idea what's going on. And that's where we find Gideon. How can I save Israel? Behold, my clan is the weakest in Manasseh, and I am the least in my father's house. And the Lord said to him, but I will be with you. And you shall strike the Midianites as one man. Turn to the person next to you and say, there's a warrior in the wine press. As we start to dive into this message this morning, I want to play a game called What's in My Hand? And for those of you who are watching online, or watching online, we want you to participate. Those of you who are listening by podcast, use your imagination. But it's a very simple, here's the rules. I'm going to show you something in my hand, and you simply respond to me, telling me what's there. Y'all think you can do it? Tell the person next to you say, I believe in you. <laughs> are you ready? Are you sure? All right, round one. What's in my hand? Paper! Give yourself a pat on the back. <laughs> you guys are just, y'all blow me away. So now as we move on to round two, I just got to do some stuff here. Make a couple of creases. Now, would you tell me what is in my hand? A paper airplane. A paper airplane. Okay, round three. Are you ready? Y'all, y'all feel comfortable with this game so far? Now, round three. What's in my hand? Okay, so now let's watch this. So we went from paper to paper airplane to a crumbled piece of trash. Trash, that's a, that's a good word for it. Uh, but let me just say something. Um, I've had the same thing in my hand the entire time. The only thing that changed is what happened to it. The only thing that changed is your perception of what I had in my hand based upon what happened to it. The reason that's important for us to see is sometimes we define our life by our circumstance. We define our life based upon where we currently are. We define our life by what we've been through. I, I am less than because of this. I am not important because of this. I am unlovable because of this. Missing the fact that you are paper, but you're labeling yourself based upon your current condition or situation. How many of you could say that's been done to you before? Maybe others have tried to label you. Maybe you have labeled 
yourself. But here's what's important, and you've got to understand this. It's possible to have a warrior in the wine press. It's possible for there to be a warrior who is stuck to or confined to the wine press, not because there's not a better option, but because they can't see anything different. And what you see will shape how you think. And how you think will determine your reality, whether it's true or not. Hello? How you think will determine your reality, whether it's true or not. If you think you're a loser, it doesn't matter what your potential is, you'll lose. If you think you're helpless, it doesn't matter what your potential is, you lose. If you think that your marriage is going to fall apart, it doesn't matter what the potential of that relationship is, it will probably fall apart. And many times we gravitate towards the things that we meditate on. We tend to find whatever we're looking for. It's like a vulture and a hummingbird. Hummingbirds fly around all day looking for sweet things. You know what they find? Sweet things. Vultures fly around all day long looking for dead things. You know what they find? Why? Because we find what we're looking for. We find what we're focusing on. Many times we're focusing on what we have been through. We're focusing on the condition. We're focusing on the circumstance. And we take very little time to look at the God who is with us in the middle of the storm. We take very little time to focus on who God is and what he can do through us. That's why the Bible teaches us, and this is important, to know no man after the flesh, but after the Spirit. Know no man or woe man after the flesh, but after the Spirit. What does that mean? Don't judge the book by its cover. Don't judge the paper based upon what it's been through. A perfect example of this is Jesus, he goes into his hometown. The miracle man himself shows up. The man who is resurrection power walks in. And the Bible says that the people there in his hometown could not really receive anything from him. Not because he didn't have the power, but because of their perception, what they saw and what they thought. Their thinking kept them from the miracle. Are you following me? So you got to be careful how you judge others. You got to be careful how you look at others. But the same truth applies when we think about ourselves. I cannot know me after the flesh. I have to know me according to the Spirit of God who is inside of me. I've got to know myself based upon the purpose that He has called me to. Gideon is hiding from an enemy that he was created to destroy because he could not see who he was called to be. Man, how many of us have missed out on something in life that we were created for? An opportunity that we were created for that we bowed out of because we did not see who we were created to become? How many times have we given over to failure or loss because we don't understand who God has called us to be? And the more I look at the story of Gideon, because I love the story of Gideon, the more I look at it, the more I realize that Midian was not the problem. 
His biggest problem was not the Midianites. His biggest problem was his mindset. See, many times we, we see a problem from the outside and we think that's the issue. And really, what's coming at us from the outside is not the issue. Not if you believe in who Jesus is and what he's done. That's not the issue. The issue, the biggest problem, is what we've got going on inside of here. So God comes to Gideon and he says, go, save Israel in this might of yours. You're a mighty man of valor. But Gideon doesn't see that. He sees weak. He sees worthless. How can I save Israel? And the problem is Gideon is missing the point because it had nothing to do with Gideon. It had everything to do with who was with Gideon. It has nothing to do with the vessel. It is all about what is inside the vessel. 2 Corinthians 4, verse 7. Watch this. The Bible says, but we, somebody say me. Now say you. We have this treasure in jars of clay. There's a treasure inside of your vessel to show that the surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. So anytime you look at your problem and you judge the solution of your problem based upon your ability, you've missed the point because it has nothing to do with you and everything to do with who is inside of you. Sometimes we limit ourselves because of our education, not realizing the spirit of wisdom and knowledge lives inside of us, and he gives it to us freely. Sometimes we live life with no vision of the future, not realizing that the one who sees all and knows all is holding us and leading us and guiding us into the future he's calling us into. Are y'all understanding this this morning? Yes. What eye has not seen, what ear has not heard, what's not even entered into the thoughts or imagination of man, that much more has God prepared for them that loves him. These things, what things? The things that have been prepared to you, for you are now revealed to you through his spirit. So get this, there are already things prepared for you. God is not in heaven trying to figure anything out about your life. He's the author and the finisher of your faith. He's the author and the finisher of your story. Before you came out of your mother's womb, the end of your story was already determined. And so all he's doing is pulling you into the thing he's called you to. If you understand that, it should give you peace of mind knowing that you're not going through this life like a hamster on the wheel. You've got a purpose. You've got a destiny. There's power in you. And the power is not you, it is God. So it has nothing to do with your ability or your talent or your wisdom. It's all about understanding that if God has called you to something, he will bring you through it. He will supply. He will provide. He will make a way where there seems to be no way. He'll split the Red Sea. Moses didn't do it. All Moses had to do was stretch forth his rod. God did the miracle. Turn the person next to you and say, it's about who's in you. That comforts me. Because I'm weak at best. 
Did you hear what I just said? Aram Meshegan is weak at best on my own. But I'm not on my own. If God is for me, who can be against me? If you read on in 2 Corinthians, Paul actually says that God's power is made perfect in your weakness. Why? Because you get to the point to where you realize it's not about you or your ability, but who is inside of you. It's not about you. It is about Christ in you. It's not about what you have the ability to accomplish. It's about what God can accomplish through you. Once Paul grasped this understanding, he starts saying things like, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. So let's break that down. I can, somebody say, I can do all things. All right, so let's stop there. The Greek word for all means all. Can you believe that? I thought it was like some kind of tricky thing where I had to put together like the Bible code. And I pulled all the Greek and Hebrew. It means all. So Paul's saying, I can do all things. No matter the circumstance, no matter the situation, no matter what comes my way. Read it in context because he's saying, I've been through a lot. But I realize that I can do all things through Christ. Here's an important part. Because my life is filtered through Christ, I can do all things. I'm not living for me. I'm living for him. I'm not doing things my way. I'm doing things his way. My life is filtered through Christ. The result of a life that is filtered through Christ is that he gives you strength. The joy of the Lord is my strength. The joy of the Lord is my strength. Let me give you another way to look at that. The joy of the Lord is my strength. Many times we think, oh, it's the joy I get that gives me strength. And that's true. But another way to look at that is God's joy is in my strength. God's delight, God's pleasure is in my strength. God's pleasure is in me operating in who he has called me to be. He takes no pleasure in me acting like a worthless scumbag. He takes pleasure when I understand that I am his, that I belong to him, that he is in me, and now I'm going to go out and face my world as an overcomer and a conqueror. Again, not because I'm great, but because he is great. And when people see me, they're not going to give me the credit. God's going to get the credit because people know me. They've seen me. <laughs> if you've seen me in action, you know that has nothing to do with me, has everything to do with God. It has nothing to do with the vessel and everything to do with what is inside that vessel or who is inside that vessel. Stop labeling your life by the appearance of the vessel. Do y'all remember, uh, I think it was Indiana Jones in the Last Crusade, where they're looking for the cup from the Last Supper? Because if they drink from it, they'll receive eternal life. Not realizing that Jesus is eternal life, but 
Doesn't matter. Back to the cup. <laughs> when they finally get into that place and they start observing the cups, there's a lot of different goblets in there. There's goblets of gold and fine jewels, beautiful cups. And automatically they're drawn to the beauty of the cup thinking that that must be the one that Jesus chose to drink from at the Last Supper. But they drink from it and they die because they're drinking from the wrong cup. Indiana Jones doesn't go to the cup that seems like the obvious choice. He goes to the one of stone, the one that's a little withered, the one that's a little worn, and he picks it, and he chose the right cup. Hear what I'm saying. God doesn't make a mistake on your life. He knows what you've been through. He knows you've been weathered. He knows that you're worn. He knows all of your faults and failures. He knows more about you than you know about you. And he still says, that is the one I will use. Because when they do something great, I will receive the glory. My great-grandfather, because of the time period that he grew up in, only made it through the third grade because he had to work on the farm. Because of his limited education, he was illiterate. But as he grew up, God called him into the ministry, and he never allowed his situation to determine his future. My great-grandfather became what was known as the walking Bible because he had so many verses of Scripture memorized. He couldn't read them, but his wife would read them to him, and he would memorize them, and he would get up on a Sunday, and he would quote hundreds of scriptures. He ended up building the largest church in his denomination at that time. He ended up sitting with presidents. He ended up setting, sitting with kings. This little boy with a third-grade education did amazing things because he did not allow his life and his circumstances to determine his future. He didn't allow the appearance of the vessel to determine where he was going. Are you following what I'm saying this morning? Too many times we allow what has happened to us or what is happening right now to blind us to the truth that if God is for you, nothing and no one can be against you. I can do all things through Christ, who strengthens me. And that is the process that God is taking Gideon on. He was always a warrior. He didn't become a warrior. He was born a warrior because that's who he was created to be. He just didn't see it. So God starts chipping away. God starts speaking truth to his lie. God starts saying, you're a mighty man of valor, even though Gideon's saying, I'm weak. God starts saying, go in this might of yours, even though Gideon's thinking, I don't have any might. I don't have any strength. And through this process of chiseling, you'll see the story flip 
from chapter 6 to chapter 7, from a man in a wine press that is fearful to a man who overcomes an army much larger than his, and the only thing that changed was how he thought, how he perceived it. Let me ask you this. How do you perceive your problem? How do you perceive the things in life that are coming against you right now? Do you see it as too big or do you see it as possible? I'm wanting you to have a shift in your mind today and understand that problems become promotions to those who are walking with God. Obstacles are opportunities to come to a higher level of understanding. Obstacles are opportunities to come to a higher level of faith. Obstacles are opportunities to see God move in a way that you've never seen him move. So when a problem comes, I don't rejoice in the fact that I have a problem, but I rejoice in the fact that God is going to use that problem to do something amazing for me. That's why the Bible says in the book of James that I can have joy in the midst of trials. Why? Because it is working on me. It is perfecting me. It is bringing me to the place to where I am perfect, lacking nothing. So I don't rejoice over the problem, but I rejoice that I've got a God who is with me in the problem. I rejoice in the fact that he is bigger than the problem. I rejoice in the fact that before the problem came, the solution existed. Before Israel got themselves into the mess with Midian, God had already called and chosen Gideon to be born. And from chapter 6 to chapter 7, there's a shift. There's a change from weakness to warrior. And the only thing that changed was his mind. It's an amazing story. You should read it. Because as soon as God talks Gideon into this thing, Gideon says, okay, fine, I'll put together an army. So Gideon puts together this army. And God comes to him and says, "Mm mm-mm, you got too many guys. Gideon's like, say what? Like as big as Gideon's army was, it was nowhere compared to the army of of the Midianites. Gideon's like, say what? God said, yeah, it's too many. I need to work on this. So they chisel some people out. He's left with a few thousand men. Gideon say, okay, well, we'll see. God said, you're, okay, we'll, we'll figure this out. And God goes, hmm, too many. Gideon's like, say, what? Too many. We need to whittle that down a little bit. So God starts removing more men. Gideon is finally left with only 300 men to face thousands of trained soldiers. And God says to him, I wanted to whittle you down because I didn't want anyone else to take the glory for the victory. I didn't want you to think that you did this because of your strength. Because it's not about your strength. It's not about your might. It's not about your ability. It's about my spirit that is with you. And so when you get this victory, it's going to be because of me. And so they go in with this game plan to take out the Midianites, which included holding a vessel and a trumpet. Could you imagine that strategy? Like you're coming to war and they're like, here's your vessel, here's your trumpet. 
We're going to go get them. But they stand around the enemy army. And Gideon says, when I command you, you're going to break open your vessel. And the fire that's on your torch is going to come visible. You're going to blow your trumpets. And you're going to yell for the sword of the Lord and of Gideon. That's the strategy here, y'all. That's the strategy to take out thousands. But they do it. They move in faith. They trust that God is with them. And when they do it, the enemy army turns on themselves and starts destroying each other. Why? Because God fights the battles for us. Hear what I'm saying. Stop struggling with your problem and start trusting God because he will fight for you. I don't know how it's going to end up. I don't know what it's going to look like. I may get a few scars in the meantime, but I believe that God is with me. And I know that it has nothing to do with the vessel and everything to do with his spirit. Church, I have lived this story. If I went through and told you details of my life, some of you wouldn't come back next week because you would think I'm the biggest idiot in the world. But I am here today because God is with me. I'm here today because I have learned how to trust in him. Anytime I take a platform to minister the word, I never come up here with an arrogance of thinking I've got it all together and I'm a powerful communicator. I come up with the attitude of God, if you don't show up, this is going to be a mess. That's why I never take the platform without anointing my ear and saying, God, give me ears to hear, eyes to see, a mouth to speak, hands to reach, and feet to go where you've called me to go. Because I understand that he is the source, not me. When Jesus is talking to the disciples before he ascends, He's telling them there's going to come time where there's going to be persecution, there's going to be trials, you're going to be questioned, and don't worry about what you're going to say. Because in that moment, the Spirit himself will speak through you. Are you following it? It has nothing to do with you. And no vessel in this room is more important than the other vessel. We're all loved by God, we're all chosen by God, and he wants to pour out into us his spirit which unlocks our potential.